It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 28, 2011. Welcome to the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We have an interesting program planned for tonight and we have a guest that we want to talk to here right at the beginning. Yes, we have Joe Nelms with us. Joe uh, is the preacher for the Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. You may or may not have, but I suspect many of you have heard of him this week because he's made a splash on YouTube with a prayer that he prayed as an invocation at the start of the NASCAR race in Nashville last Saturday evening. Joe, are you on the line with us? I sure am. Joe, Joe, we should mention Joe's joining us on his vacation in Destin, Florida. Yeah, he's calling from Florida on vacation, willing to take just a few minutes here to join us on the virtual Bible study. Thank you, Joe, so much for for calling in. Uh, No problem. As I said, you've made a real hit on YouTube. Any idea how many times the video's been hit on YouTube? I haven't looked at it in a couple of days, but I know that it was uh, well over a million. I think somebody told me today that uh, if you combine, uh, there's eight or ten different ones out there, that it was over two million. Wow, amazing. Now, that, that, that's the power of the Internet right there. Now, Joe, summarize the prayer quickly for us. What did you pray for? Uh, basically, I prayed for uh, all the – I thank God for all the uh, – different elements there, the different manufacturers, and just just different elements of racing. Thank God for my smoking hot wife and and uh, my children, and then uh, uh, ended it with a boogity, 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 amen. The boogity, boogity, boogity for our listeners who don't recognize that. Of course, I recognize it. I'm a NASCAR fan. That's a Daryl Waltrip expression that he always uses at the start of races to kind of get the fans all excited, and you included that in your prayer as well. Let, let me ask you, Joe, this is obviously a totally non-traditional prayer what was your motivation to pray in that fashion well this was our fourth time going to nashville to do the invocation uh we started going as just a fan and once they found out i was a pastor and asked me to come and on the very first one um i wanted to uh, immediately knew i wanted to do something a little different and on the first one we we prayed just an exciting heartfelt prayer uh, probably not near as controversial, but it was still very exciting for the crowd, and uh, and everybody enjoyed it. So we've done that every time. But uh, the last three times, those first three times rather, um, even though it was met with with enthusiasm from the crowd, it seemed like it it, it had no impact on them. Uh, you know, it didn't really uh, didn't do anything other than just. Uh, you know, make for an enjoyable evening. So I, I had made up my mind I wanted to do something to get in with these people, to grab their attention so that they would, uh, you know, uh, relate to me and realize, hey, this is a, a pastor here. We have a man of God uh, who's saved, knows Jesus as a personal Savior, but is still enjoying life and relates to the average man and, and 
and is able to get on our level and talk with us. So that was our main motivation is is to try and get people to realize that Christianity is fun. You 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 fellas know as well as I do that your life doesn't end when you accept Christ. It begins, and I think most sinners, most most uh, unchurched folks, they they think if they give their heart to Christ and if they uh, start going uh, to a local church, then uh, it's going to be just a list of rules and regulations, and all the fun in their life is over with, and and they have to be bored and and just uh, uh, staunch and serious the rest of their life, and that's just not the way it is. I I know that Christ intends for us to enjoy the life we have. He wants us to use it for His glory while enjoying it for ourselves. Well, I noticed on your website you have a sermon there posted. Uh, it's party time and the crowd goes wild. So I think you're probably yeah. putting that into action. Joe, let me ask yeah, you. But... Let me ask you what Go kind ahead. of feedback are you getting? Uh, I, I'm sure you're getting some negative and some positive. How would you rate that? Uh... That's correct. I, 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 I'd say it's probably now at about eighty percent positive. Uh, 20% negative. At one time, it seemed like there was a little bit more negative. At one time, it was probably about 70, 30. Uh, but it seems like the negative has went away and just more and more positive. Uh, just just for an example on that, I've had just some emails today uh, that just floored me. I mean, I, I, I never thought that uh, I'd have such an immediate impact on some of these lives. I thought it would take getting them convinced to come into the church, you know, and to hear our message live and in person before I could ever really have an impact on. But I had a lady email me today with a 90-something-year-old father in her life that is severely handicapped, and she said it's a miracle he's still with us, and he's lost and doesn't know the Lord. And she said, we can't get him to go to church, but uh, he says he'll listen to you. Is there any way you could take some time out for him? So uh, we've certainly got plans to go visit with him. He's way up in Dayton, Ohio, but I think it'll be well worth the trip. Uh, if we can, if we can get through to him, uh, so we've we've had some great positive feedback. Uh, I think a lot of the negative has gotten attention because it seems like the ones that are negative are very, very negative. There's no uh, no middle ground. Kind of a, a sweet dissension, you know. There, there's there's some that are very, very adamant about it. Okay, now let uh, me even some that are hateful, you know. Uh, uh, let me ask you then how how do you answer the people who come at you negatively and say? This was irreverent, Joe. This was irreverent. This this didn't show proper respect to God. How are you going to answer that criticism? Well, one of the first things I say is that a lot of them have demanded an apology. Immediately, I apologize. I apologize that they are offended. In, in other words, I'm sorry that it has offended them. My goal is never to offend anyone. Uh, you know, I don't think as Christians that we ought to ever be proud to be offensive to anyone. However, I don't apologize for the prayer. I would, I would certainly do that again. But uh, what I've told a lot of those critics and a lot of the interviews that we've done is uh, simply that I understand where they're coming from. I'm an old-fashioned, independent Baptist preacher, very much traditionalist. Uh, our church sings the old church hymnals. We preach an old-fashioned message, and, and I'm never going to change from that. However, I realize there are other ways to get people's attention. So I tell them, you know, if if I had heard that prayer from someone else, my first reaction would be, wow, I'm not sure, I don't know, I need to find out about this guy. You know, um, if, if I was asked to make a split-second decision, I'd say that's probably not okay. 
but if I learn that, listen, this guy's sound fundamentally, doctrinally, uh, he's got the, he's got his values and his priorities straight and realize that his motivation was, I've got to get to the heart of that center. Uh, they're not going to trust you and uh, they're not going to trust your message until they trust you. They're not going to listen to you until, until you reach their heart and they relate to you. So uh, I, I asked them just to take a look at what we've been doing this week. I've, I've literally witnessed a millions. Every radio interview I've done, just like I'm doing tonight, uh, through through a phone or, or even live. Some of them have edited it out for TV, but all the live interviews that we've done, uh, we've talked about uh, the saving grace of, of God through the shed blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. So we've been able to present the gospel, the message of salvation, to untold millions over the last week. I could have not done Joe, in ten lifetimes. How, how many? How many interview? How many interviews do you think you've done, Joe? How many? Well, interviews. Yeah, right. One hundred and fifty or more. I'll now, say. Joe, you don't think what you did was irreverent? Where do you draw the line? What would be irreverent in a prayer such as the one you gave? I think that's something you know, kind of where the Bible talks about. Let every man work out his own salvation. We know there's not many. Different avenues, obviously. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I think that's where this verse, that verse comes in is, is once you're working out how you relate to God, where you draw lines, where your standards and, and your convictions are. And so I would say prayerfully and, and through much, much study, uh, this was not something I did, even though it was an unrehearsed prayer. Uh, the heart of it was not something I did without bathing it in prayer uh, for many days leading up to the race. And and even since then, I'll be honest, uh, uh, when I began to hear the negative criticism and they began to say irreverent, blasphemous, and all those things, uh, I immediately went to my knees and said, Lord, uh, you know, if, 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 what, if, there's, if there's credence to what they say, if there's truth, if, if this is so, uh, I don't want to be so arrogant as to not see that. I need you to show me uh, where I stand with you on this. Did, did Was I listening? You know, had I tried the spirits, was I listening to the right voice? And I've got complete and full assurance of that. So, uh, you know, I, I would say it's one of those things where uh, you'll just have to find out for yourself. I, I think God is definitely a holy God and deserves all our respect. Uh, you know, he deserves uh, uh, us to, to treat him with reverence and uh you know, I think in in any church atmosphere, at, at a funeral or wedding or church service or anything, that, uh, then that prayer would have crossed the line. That would not be appropriate for the house of God because that's where God's people are meeting to serve Him. However, in a in a sports venue where you're, you know, I was not trying to reach out to God. I was trying to reach out to sinners. But we know that God was already there with me. He promised He'd go with me always, even to the end of the world. So. He came with me. It was the sinners we're trying to reach, those that are listening to that prayer. So I think that's where some folks are having trouble uh, seeing that line, that they, they're they taking it uh, too much as uh, those were all words that I was speaking to God, even though we know prayers, that conversation, uh, it was more for those that are listening, trying to catch their attention, uh, hey, trying to do something to get them. Okay, Joe. Well, uh, one last question. Our time's up. We've kept you longer than okay. we said. But no uh, how are no your own, how are your own church people uh, taking it? Are they supportive of you? 
100%. I, I have gotten emails and phone calls and Facebook messages from our church uh, on, on every day. They've, they've been saying, hey, we love you, preacher. We, you know, I, I don't like to sound arrogant or, or egotistical, but they said we we knew we had a great preacher. Now the world knows it. Of course, that's not our goal. I want all the glory to go to Christ. It, I certainly don't deserve it like Paul. If, you know, if there's any good thing about me, it's because of Christ. And so uh, they've been 100% supportive. I called uh, throughout the church yesterday just to double-check on uh, some of our folks, and they're just so excited. Uh, they they have been praying for some some miracles from God over the last uh, two or three weeks. We've been asking God to do something for our church, and I'll be honest, I did not know that this is the the way He was going to answer our prayer, uh, but He certainly has, and we're just praising God for it. Well, All right, we, Joe. Well, we we can't let you go, Joe, without telling you we think we we think you're dead wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, well, but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're coming. We're, uh, in, in all honesty, Joe, we wanted to hear your side of the story, but now we're probably well, on that I negative. That. I, do, I do thank you for allowing my side of the story. I, I don't mind the sinners. I don't mind someone uh, not agreeing with me. Certainly, sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. Well, so, I, I, just, uh, just my first reaction, Joe, is you're you are in a different venue. You're not at a in a funeral. You're not at a, in, a, in a worship assembly. But you're praying to the same God, and I think He needs to be addressed the same way, regardless of where I am. Yeah, yeah we're probably gonna, we're probably gonna, we're gonna continue to talk with our listeners about your about your prayer there at the Nashville Super Speedway. We're gonna probably, well, I'm not gonna say probably. I think I'm definitely coming down on the side of I don't, I couldn't do that, uh, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm in disagreement with your conclusions, but. We know that you've taken time out of your vacation to join us on the virtual Bible study tonight, Joe, and we sure do appreciate that. Thanks for your openness. Thanks for being willing to talk with us. Well, I'm honored. Thank you for having me on. I I do appreciate uh, you giving me the time. Thanks. Tell your family. Thanks for sharing a few minutes with us tonight. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. Joe Nelms uh, from the Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. If you haven't seen the video, I don't know. We can't. I, we we, we've not, been debating conscientiously even direct you to watch the video. We, we've been debating back and forth as to whether to show the video, and we've kind of decided not to on the basis of that. We just think it's real irreverent, and therefore we don't want to be the ones who are promoting it out there. Uh, but, if I mean, obviously anybody who, who knows how to access YouTube. In fact, we even sent the link out in our update message. So maybe that, you are Maybe you're not it, it, consistent. Yeah, maybe not totally consistent. We're not going to play it on the on the virtual Bible study, but you, I, I'm sure anybody who knows how to listen to the virtual Bible study knows how to find that YouTube video, and 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 probably most of you already have seen it anyway. It's been all over the news. I mean, it has been, as he said, probably two million hits on that video this week, just since Saturday. He prayed that prayer on Saturday night. So man. Lots of people have seen it. We're going to talk about it. We've got some questions that we sent out to our update list earlier today. We're running long on our break, but go and, ahead and introduce those. Okay, real quickly, the questions that we ask, I think I've got them here, yeah. Uh, in previous interviews, question one, in previous interviews, Joe Nelms has suggested that the prayer was intended to get people to think about God and going to church. How would you respond to that argument as justification for the prayer he prayed? That's question one. Number two, with his prayer in mind, what are the things that we should avoid in prayer that would be irreverent toward God? What are the guidelines we should follow to ensure that we are reverent in prayer? And should we, must we use terms like thee, thou, and thine? Okay, that's a good question. Number three, what things must be avoided in our worship services in general that might show irreverence toward God? The manner of dress, other things that you might think of. And then finally, 
what other areas or subjects show our reverence toward God or lack thereof? We're going to go to those questions when we get back from this break. Jerry. All right, we're taking a break, and we're going to get your comments on email, in the chat room, or better yet, over the phone at 877-381-4567, a toll-free number. Jump on the phone and let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here are some quotes worth pondering. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. One of the weaknesses of our age is our apparent inability to distinguish need from greed. When you flee from temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. Religion is like most other things. The less you invest in it, the poorer the quality of it. Man, I wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We welcome you back on the program tonight again. Thank you to Joe Nelms from the Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee, for coming on to talk about his prayer at the Nashville Super Speedway last Saturday. Uh, you might, uh, if you do want to find it, I guess you do a YouTube search for best yeah. prayer ever. If you put NASCAR preacher prayer, okay, it'll come up. All right. Uh, uh, and we see... Uh, some reaction to Joe's demeanor, which I thought was very good. I appreciate his his good uh, manner in talking with us, even though we were disagreeing with him. Uh, Cole Caleb, a listener, Cole Caleb says, very wrong. He was kind, though. Uh, Kevin Kelly says, your guest was sincere, but does sincerity make one justified before God? I think, obviously, no. So Jared asked the question, would he be willing to drink a beer if the bartender would listen to a sermon afterwards? Well, this is, that's our first question. Let's go to that. Our first question was, um, he, he says, in, in some of his previous interviews, he has said that the prayer was intended to get people to think about God and going to church. Uh, here, here's a quote. Um, it says, I always said, if I get a chance after God told me to preach, to pray at one of the events at the track, I don't want to do the cookie-cutter prayer, not that we don't need to thank God for our military men and women, which is what they usually do. Absolutely, we wouldn't be here without them. Not that we don't desire safety for all the officials, workers, and drivers. We certainly don't want anything to happen to anybody out there. We need a safe race. 
But it's the same prayer week in and week out. And I'm not sure anybody's even listening to it anymore. Well, I mean, that's a good point. So I said, I want to get somebody's attention. So that's been our desire every time we've been up there. I think this was his fourth time to, to lead okay. an invocation there okay. at the track. And and some of them are out there in video form, too. I saw a couple of others. And and he's gotten a little bolder with each, with each occurrence. He says... Uh, we're trying to make an impact on the fans, give them something that they'll remember. Maybe they'll go home on Friday night or Saturday night and say, maybe I ought to get up and go to church in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he says he wanted to use the prayer as an opportunity to reach out to non-Christians. He claims, I wanted to put the fun in fundamental. There you go. Uh, so um, that's that's what he's saying. What say you in, in regards to that? Uh, one listener in Dallas wrote in and said, uh, I saw this prayer when it first aired. My husband called me in to see it. We're big NASCAR fans. I knew it was irreverent right off the bat, but my husband loved it, but he isn't a member of the church. The prayer really sounded like the prayer that was in the Ricky Bobby movie with Will Ferrell. Uh, and I saw that clip, too, which was even worse from that movie. I'd never seen that movie. There was a clip that was running parallel to Joe Nelms's prayer from this movie Talladega Nights and it was it was it was way worse than what Joe Nelms said but I think that's what he potentially had patterned his prayer after was the prayer in that movie Talladega Nights but that listener from Dallas says that, that she was shocked by it but her non-Christian husband thought it was great mm. I think that might be sort of the dividing line there who liked it and who didn't All right 8773814567 questions at collegeu.com Anthony's behind the controls tonight Anthony uh, your thoughts after listening to the interview did he cross the line Yeah I, I mean I don't I don't think he had a a very solid footing to stand on in his justifying you know explaining why it wasn't irreverent and so forth but I mean I saw lots of ish, uh, areas of concern um you know, obviously he's operating sort of on an end justifies the means type of approach, um, and uh, that you know there's no limit to where that can go if that's your if that's your uh, theory. So, uh, lots of stuff there, but you know I, I don't see the value. You know, I think that's a good example of the listener in Dallas. That, so her non-Christian husband loved it, just thought it was great, but probably because it made a mockery of. Of religion, exactly. Well, some of the comments I've I've read as well that uh, people people did like it because they think. Oh, the that fans! If you watch that video, the fans at the speedway went wild. Yeah. When he said some of that stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, some people did like it because they thought it made a mockery of Christianity. And, and, and I think you said you read where the the officials at the track said they'd definitely have him back. He's coming back next year, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris in Atlanta says time doesn't permit me to answer all the questions, but I did want to weigh on this weigh in on this first one. The statement that this is intended to get people to think about God and going to church is a misguided notion. My question back to Mr. Nelms, with all due respect and no hatefulness intended, is what exactly will this make people think about yeah, God I and his people? I wanted to ask that. I didn't get to do that. Uh, not trying to be crude, but I would I could run around the streets in my underwear with Bible verses <laughs> tattooed all over me uh, with, know, uh, sort of with the same intention. In other words, in other words... Here's a guy who's going to do something wild yeah. and outrageous, but the intention is to get people to think about God. Yeah. He says, unfortunately, it sends the wrong message in the wrong way at the wrong time. That's a good observation and a good point of view. Jason in Pennsylvania says, watching the video, it looked like it made the drivers and crews laugh instead of think about God and not take him seriously. This prayer just reminded me of the condemnation that Jesus gave the Pharisees about their prayers, that they were praying to get attention. Even if it was not uh, his motive for doing so, it sure did happen. Okay. And Troy in Hendersonville 
Tennessee says uh, his prayer seemed more intended to get people to think that God was fine with them being at the track instead of at church. And that, that may be thinking that the, the race was on Sunday. I actually think this race was on Saturday night. Uh, he says, why else thank God for all the things keeping them from church? It seemed more like an effort. I think this is a good observation from Troy. It seems more like an effort to get God to the track than to get people to God and to the church. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. I do appreciate that, that, uh, that I think, comment from Troy. I think the bottom line there, Jacob, is is just the question that you ask him, and he didn't really have a definitive answer to it. The question is, what would be the limits? Where would you draw the line? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if... if if this, if the justification for this is it makes people think about God, perhaps someone who wasn't going to do it otherwise will now think about going to church on Sunday. If if that if that mentality, uh, Anthony, you used the term "in justifies the means." So did Kevin Kelly. He said uh, we want to be careful that we don't do extreme things to try and teach or win souls. Uh, do the ends always justify the means? Yeah. So and I think no. I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a line. Is, uh, Example about running around with the Bible verses. Yeah, so uh, you know, if it if it's if it's irreverent, then even if it, even if it caused somebody to come to church on Sunday, you can't justify it if it's irreverent. And I think it was clearly irreverent. I mean, I, I just I just can't imagine how anybody would walk away from viewing that and say that it wasn't irreverent. The way the reason why the Many of the worldly people at the track liked it was because it was irreverent. Yep. And so, I mean, their their reaction to it is proof positive of, of what it was. And you just can't use that justification. I mean, uh, because if you use that justification, then there is no stopping place. There's literally nothing that you couldn't argue in favor of uh, if the outcome was people will think about God and go to church All on right. Sunday. Molly's in the chat room tonight. She remembers in a sermon one time you said, if it takes coffee and donuts to get someone to church, what are they really there for? Doesn't this prayer make it seem like, at least to non-Christians, that Christianity accepts this type of behavior? I think that's a good observation, Molly. I think that's exactly right. No, in other words, Joel Nelms, and he said pretty much this in our, in our little discussion with him earlier, he basically said this is getting to people who can't get, be gotten to in other ways traditional or conventional right. ways yeah uh so well, i mean if you just if, if i could get to a lot of people if i said god wants you to drink beer and uh and you know carouse a lot of those people in the stands would have applauded me and wanted to talk to me i would i would be swarmed after a race if i were to get up and say something like that or if you want to use other motivations if 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 we promise to give everybody a hundred dollar bill sunday yeah. morning we could overflow any church building that you care to name right you know, so if you're if you're using motivations other than the the word of God and the truths that are contained in it, Paul said in Romans chapter one verse sixteen, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." Paul was Paul was uh, committed to just using the word to attract people, and and, and he said in First Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two. Uh, Verse 1, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's a good observation, yeah. 
You know, another one that, that just came to mind is Jesus had opportunities to address large crowds. I don't know if his, the crowds that probably weren't nearly as large as the ones at the Super Speedway, but he had opportunities to, to address crowds, and he wanted to reach to them and affect them. But it was interesting to know that Jesus never took on an approach like this. In fact, Jesus' approach turned people away. Well, that's a good point. And, or, or we might talk about the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem when some historical estimates suggest there could have been as many a million people in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. At least there were thousands upon thousands. We know 3,000 received the gospel and were baptized that day. They believed what they heard and responded to it and were baptized so there were thousands upon thousands who heard, but they, they, Peter didn't reach out to them in that kind of a way. Yeah, Don in Antioch is in the chat room. Maybe the first time I've seen him in there, but he says it could get people to go to churches like the Cornerstone Church in Madison, Tennessee, where they have fireworks displays inside. So I guess he accomplished his goal to that effect. If you, again, if you're just wanting to get them in a building, there are lots of ways to do that, and you don't have to be really too worried about uh, what the Scriptures teach if you're just trying to get a crowd. Yeah, you know, that's probably somebody we ought to try to get an interview with, too, Jacob, is that preacher up there in Nashville. Yeah, I'm not sure that, we could. I don't know if he would or not. But I've tried, he, actually. I have tried, and I was unsuccessful. So, but, but we use that as a standard example of the outrageous things that some churches will do. We've referenced it multiple times in the virtual Bible study, the, uh, the inside fireworks on the 4th of July. Man, we've got to do that. Oh, man. Think of the crowds. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll get this week's bullet point. On the other side of the break, we get your comments at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free, and the line is ready for you to come on the air. Or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com, and the chat room is filling up. Make sure you get your comments in there. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. That's just the preacher, and that's just his opinion. With these words, the sermon that has just been delivered is dismissed and the lesson ignored. Everything the preacher has taught is wiped away with the stroke of a very wide brush. It's just his opinion. Don't worry about it. Do preachers have opinions? Of course they do. Like everyone else, they have opinions about politics, sports, the weather, and a hundred other subjects. They also have opinions about the important judgments that must be made in our personal lives and in our congregational work. In this, they are no different than any other Christian. Do preachers express their opinions? Of course they do. Like most other people, preachers will tell you what they think about the subjects that are of interest to them. And spiritual subjects are very important to them, thus they are prone to state their views on issues that relate to serving God. There is nothing wrong with a preacher or any other Christian expressing an opinion. When they do, you may choose to agree or disagree. Typically, preachers have based their judgment upon sound principles and years of practical experience. Their opinions, therefore, should carry some weight to those who are concerned about following the best course in matters of expediency. But their opinions are just that, opinions, and they do not carry the force of divine law. You are invited to totally disregard them if it's only their opinion. But be careful... Preachers are also proclaiming God's commandments, and these must be obeyed. If the preacher is demonstrated by book, chapter, and verse that what he is saying is the will of God, you cannot just overlook it by claiming it is only his opinion. If he has shown the authority of Scripture for what he is teaching, then it is not opinion, it is law, it must be obeyed. If you fail to do so, you are ignoring God, not the preacher. As Paul said, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 8. That's this week's bullet point. 
Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And don't hide in the chat room. Give us a call and let us know your thoughts on the phone tonight. What's today's date? It's the 28th. 28th of July. 2011. Ooh. You know what day the virtual Bible study started? The inaugural edition? July 28th. 2006. 2006. 2005. I'm looking at it right here on the website. You know, all of our past programs are on the website, and the very first one was entitled Christianity That Hurts, in other words, Making Sacrifices to Be a Christian, July 28th, 2005, six years ago. We've been on the air every Thursday night since then. There was one exception. One night we, we tried didn't, to be on the we air. We tried to be on the air, and we simply could not overcome difficulties with the Internet connection. Uh, but in, in six years, uh, we're thankful that... We've only ever missed that one, and we tried that week, but it just didn't get out there because of technical problems. But we and we've had a I'm, you talk about a slew of technical problems. We've had plenty over the years. So uh, far, so good though recently. Yeah, we've kind of gotten on, on a good roll here lately. I remember that time that Anthony hosted the program in our absence. I think the only time that we've ever had a a, a host besides you or I. Yeah, Anthony uh, did that. You have the honor. Anthony. Oh, all right, great. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, we we had thought maybe about doing some kind of a program tonight uh, in regards to some of the things we've talked about over six years of time on the Virtual Bible Study. But this business with Joe Nelms came up, and uh, just seemed like that we had to deal with it. All right, we are talking about Joe Nelms, who brought forth the uh, prayer at the National Super Speedway in front of thousands of people, and he uh, said some things we think were downright irreverent, and uh, many of our listeners do as well. We're looking forward to your thoughts along those lines. All right, we had a second question that we put out there. Uh, with this Joe Nelms prayer in mind, what are the things that we should avoid in prayer so that we won't be irreverent toward God? Uh, what are the guidelines that we should follow to ensure that we are never irreverent in prayer? Well, uh, uh, if you're in the chat room, give, give us some feedback. What do you think are some of the guidelines to ensure reverence? That's that's our point. I, I think it's clear that we want to be reverent toward God. I mean, there's plenty of Bible verses that teach us uh, the importance of fearing God. With uh, The word fear there suggests the idea of uh, deep reverence, awe, respect. Uh, I know Paul in Philippians 2, verse 12, spoke of, of fear and trembling okay. in, in relationship to God. Uh, so there, there are plenty of verses that tell us that we ought to uh, ha- have this reverence. I, here, here's a list I found on, on the one website concerning Proverbs that talk about the importance of fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 8.13, fear of the Lord will cause one to hate evil. Proverbs 10.27, fear of the Lord will prolong life. Proverbs 14.26, fear of the Lord provides strong confidence and is a fountain of life. Proverbs 16.6, the fear of the Lord prompts one to depart from evil. Proverbs 19.23, fear of the Lord leads to a satisfying life, spares one from much evil. And Proverbs 22.4, the fear of the Lord is the way to riches, honor, and life. And so there's just there in the Proverbs, look how many times it talks about fearing the Lord or having proper reverence or respect for him. Are you implying that his prayer did not portray that fear? I, I, that's, that would be my concern. Okay. All right. The old boogity, uh, boogity, boogity thing sort of, that did it for that, me. That kind of topped it off, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Chris in Atlanta says uh, we should address God the same way that you would address a king or president, only be more respectful. He said, I wish I had time to be more specific than that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, address God like you would address uh, a king or the president, but be more respectful <clears throat> than that. All right. Uh, do you think you think Joe Nelms or anybody else uh, here in Middle Tennessee would have would have been as bold and brash if they were speaking to uh, speaking to Barack Obama, President Barack Obama? Right. I don't think so. I mean, you you would you would you'd give deference to the man and his position. He you, wouldn't want to look. I mean, he he wouldn't want to act foolish like that in front of the president. But and so if you wouldn't do it to a man, whoever he is, no matter how high his position, why would you do it to the Almighty God of the universe? Okay. Jason in Pennsylvania, who is also in the chat room tonight, he says uh, the thing that is most important in prayer is to have a heart that is obedient to the Lord and seeking him. Good comments there. We appreciate those from Jason. Jason, aren't you in Michigan now? Jacob keeps saying. No, no, Jason's in Pennsylvania. The other. Oh, we're talking about maybe Stephen. Stephen is in Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Jason, are you still in in, uh, Pennsylvania? You can say yes or no in the chat room. All right. All right. Um, Did you read his response to that? I did. Okay. Okay. Now, you asked the question, should should we use terms like thee and thou and thine to refer to God. And is that the first person? Well, uh, no, that, that's the third person. Third person? Oh, yeah, yeah, there that's, is that's, my... that's third person. And Jason's in Pennsylvania, just yeah, so you know. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, you know, I, through the years I've run into some people who are just quite adamant that when we pray to God, we should say thee, thine, thou, uh, using those kind of terms rather than you, yours, and so forth. Um, and uh, the argument is that that shows respect. That is respectable that, to speak in those terms. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to tell you, I don't think so. I mean, w- those terms came from Old English the, um, because that's what we re- when we read our King James Version, it uses that those kind of terms, rather thee instead of you, uh, thine instead of yours, but that's because that's what was in that was what was contemporary in 1611 yeah, when the King James was first translated. I listened to an old sermon, probably from the 40s recently, where the preacher was saying you need to use those kind of terms, and I, I would disagree with him today. It may have been a little bit closer to accurate back in those times, but uh, certainly the times have changed today. Yeah, I, I mean that. Why why would you enforce 1611 King James English? Why wouldn't you why, why would you pick that as the one that we have to use that form of English that we have okay. to use to show respect? Now you're draw, but you are walking a fine line because uh, now instead of saying father, the popular term is to say daddy. So can we say our daddy in heaven? Well, the, now, now the language that, has changed. Now don't hold me down to the 1611 English because they probably didn't say daddy back in those days. Well, I, did they say Daddy Anthony in the 1611? I don't know. That'd be a, an interesting okay. etymological study oh, there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I, yeah, just real quick on that. Yeah, that that just I'm afraid doesn't that to say that you would have to use those terms hasn't been you know, that hasn't been logically thought out because those were common terms at the time. You, you know, there was no you and your. At the, those were the commonly used that's pronouns what, in 1611. That's, right. yeah. that's how you would have talked. They sound reverent to us. In because two, they're in the King James right. Bible. <laughs> right. I but, mean, but if that, you know, but it, obviously if, if as an individual, if that makes you, if that dif- makes the difference between reverence and lack of reverence, then 
then you should use those terms. All right, Jason said if Peter and Paul said thee or thou, he's going to do it too. Yeah. Well, that's the well, thing. They obviously well, did. I mean, all right, and, okay, and, Don, makes a, Don makes a good point. Why stop at Old English? Why not learn Greek? Or what about Hebrew? The point is Jesus didn't speak English. That's right. He didn't speak English. And, and, and you, again, back to the uh, example that, uh, who was it, Chris, Chris said, show respect like you would to the president. I wouldn't say thee, thy, and thou if I had a chance to speak to the president. Right. But I, would, I would say you and yours, but I would do it in a respectful way. All right. Now, what about you didn't answer my question about daddy. Can we call him our daddy in heaven? Well, I think that goes to this whole idea of trying to be informal and casual and so forth, you know, and, and be real well, laid back right. and, and common in our approach to religious things. And I think that whole thing, that's, an all, that's all a mistake. We're talking to the almighty creator of the universe uh we don't need to speak to him in common terms we need to speak to him with deep and abiding respect for who he is and what he's done all right uh kevin in the chat room back at the beginning of the program referenced matthew chapter 6 verse 9 where jesus was teaching his disciples to pray he said after this manner therefore pray you our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name I see there, Anthony, an exalting of God and, and placing him on a higher plane rather than bringing him down to the track, as it appears Joe Nelms wanted to do. Kevin added a definition there. Strong says this about the word hallowed in Jesus' model prayer, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. It, it is uh, ceremonially, ceremonially purify or consecrate mentally to venerate, uh, hallow, to be holy, sanctify. So it's the idea of setting apart in a special way is what it means to hallow his name. So we set it apart in a common name. I might call you, hey, buddy. Yeah. But that that's, you don't, when I use that kind of terminology, it indicates that you don't hold any special position in reference to me. I feel like we're on common terms. But to, to, to hallow his name suggests we put him in a different plane. We're, we're yeah. setting him apart. Right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. There's a couple comments going on there in the chat room which suggest that a lot of this is for a reaction of the people. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Nelms admitted that his prayer was to get a reaction he from the people. He wasn't really praying to God, he said. I think that was a direct quote. Uh, so uh, the, there's been some reference in, to Matthew 6, verse 5, when the Pharisees prayed to be seen of men. Yeah. And they were condemned for that. Uh, let me read that real quick. In Matthew chapter 6, of course, from the Sermon on the Mount, verse 5, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. Jesus condemned prayers that were for the purpose of getting a reaction from people. And isn't that exactly what uh, Joe Nelms did uh, in the prayer that he prayed at the NASCAR Super Speedway. I think it is. And so I think that would be, uh, I think all the comments along those lines uh, would certainly be appropriate to add into this discussion. All right. We need to take a break. And when we go to the top of the hour, we've got some more to talk about on this important subject. We're going to get into our worship a little bit. Yeah, and we're going to talk about, manner of dress and other things that we do in worship. So. All right. Uh, Chris, quickly in Atlanta, said there's no need to pray King James prayers. If that's what was comfort- is comfortable for the individual, then he has no issue with it. 
and uh, Jason. But did you see what he went on to say? I hope it's thee and thou hast a wonderful night. Doesn't sound right there, Chris. I don't know. It's not working for you. And then uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says, I have no problem with people approaching the Lord with words such as thee, thou, and thine, as long as they do not say this is something that must be done to show respect for God. This is just the the 16th century way of saying you are yours. So they agree with our deductions tonight. We're going to take a break. Go to the top of the hour. Take your comments on the other side. As we get into worship, you know, we, we want to reverence God in all that we do. How about our worship? What are some things we need to look out for and be careful about as we worship God? Don't go anywhere. We go to the top of the hour right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight, welcoming you back and reminding you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, maybe you're listening to on your iPod, but you've never been out to our website. It's thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Again, six years' worth of programs on a wide variety of topics and a wide variety of guests that we've interviewed uh, throughout the years. Be sure to check out our website and look at our archives. And if you have any question about something you've heard on this or any virtual Bible study program, we encourage you to contact us over the phone or via email at any time. We look forward to hearing from you. As we talk about... Joe Nelms' prayer and our attitude towards God and the reverence that we must be showing God. And uh, there's been a question in the chat room about uh, Jesus referring to the Father as Abba Father. There is some discussion, Anthony, that uh, perhaps that term means daddy in the original language. You've heard that before, right, Anthony? Here's the passage, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Take away this cup from me. So Jesus referred to the Father as Abba, what that word means. What do you think? Uh, I've got one source here uh, looking on the Internet. I'm sure that we're all, he says, I'm sure we're all aware by now that it's incorrect of you, Abba, as an Aramaic way to say daddy. Yeah. But it is an expression of intimacy. Uh, okay. Uh, so. Strong says it's of Chaldee origin. It's father as a vocative, I guess, to invoke the father's uh, care of you. Okay. All right. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing just on a quick Google search, too. Uh, I mean, you know, it's something that would be worth looking into, but everything I'm seeing just simply says father. Um doesn't imply any sort of informality there. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. Whatever, it's it's a term of of, of intimate endearment. I, I don't doubt that, but I think people today who are wanting to say "daddy" are doing it with the idea of mind of being just real casual or laid back or informal, and that's different. Right, right, different approach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Jesus was being informal at that instance in time for sure. 
so we uh, certainly would need to be careful about that. 877-381-4567, questions at College View. Real quickly, Jake, we're not going to get we're time to get cover all that, all that we uh, suggested we wanted to talk about. I ask, what must things must be avoided in our worship services that might show irreverence toward God? What about our manner of dress? What about the songs we sing? What other things might be signs of irreverence? Okay. Let's let's talk first about this dress. Okay. You know, whenever anything is mentioned about dressing appropriately for worship services, we always get some pushback from people say, "Oh, now you're going to try to enforce a dress code. You're trying you're trying to establish and enforce a dress code. Where in the Bible is there a dress code that says what we must wear when we assemble to worship God?" Mm, so, want to do that. So, you know, we we got to deal with that argument. But I, I just argue it from a common sense point of view. Again, all on the basis of what we've been talking about in our program tonight, the idea of reverence in God, showing deep awe and respect for God. We do show something of how we feel toward a person or an event by the way we dress for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you went to the old example is still a good one. If you go to a wedding or a funeral, you dress in a certain way because of, of what's happening there to show deference to what is going on in that environment. I, I just think that it's, it's, it's foolish to suggest that what we wear doesn't have some bearing on our attitude toward what we're doing. And so I, I think that we should dress appropriately. Now, to, to spell out a dress code, I'm not. I'm not in a position to do that. I don't think anybody should try to actually give a definitive dress code. But I think I think we can say with some confidence that it is reasonable to expect that we would dress appropriately uh, to show respect for what we're doing when we come together to worship. Well, that, I, that's that's and, and, I, and, I agree with that. I, but the, but you you're getting into a, and you you admit this. You're getting into a realm of Total judgment here. Well, well, and those those kind of things will be will be affected by cultural culture right. too. You know, uh, the the way a person dresses to show respect in, in the 21st century is not the same way they would have dressed to show respect in the 17th century. Right. We understand that culture affects what is appropriate and what's not, and that has nothing to do with modesty, by the way. Hey, but yet, you know, and I think. And you have to admit that in our society that the, the standard of dress has gone down over time. Exactly. I mean, you don't see generally businessmen today, Anthony, typically aren't wearing suits and ties to work anymore. If you see someone in a tie, that's unusual these days. It seems. Right. I think that's a you know, definitely valid point. I think our dress has become more and more informal over time. But I do agree, just to backtrack for a second, you know, with what Greg is saying, we can't get around the fact that in our society, it, in the year 2011 in the United States, uh, we do indicate uh, us how we feel about the importance of an activity based on the way we dress. You just you can't get around that fact, um, and so we have to we have to take that into consideration when we're coming to worship. And I think I think saying that Anthony is saying all that needs to be said. All right. Take that into consideration, you know. Uh, and take yep. Take that in but also take in consideration what the standard might be. You know, Anthony, if you came in in a tuxedo, you know, that would show that you have reverence for the situation, but it may not be appropriate. 
Right, exactly. You know that that gets to you know really a, a true definition in in a sense of modesty, yeah. in the sense of wearing too much. I mean, and, and first and in First Timothy chapter two, that was especially what Paul was warning against was dressing to draw attention to yourself, even in the sense of overdressing. Uh, right. Seems to have been in his thought there in First Timothy chapter two, uh, beginning about verse nine. So. You should think about it. I'll tell you something else you should think about, not only showing reverence to God in regards to the way I dress, but also showing deference to fellow Christians in the way I dress. Right. I I don't want my dress to be a distraction. Uh, You wouldn't wear a NASCAR shirt, maybe? Yeah, maybe not wear my my Dale Earnhardt shirt to to church. Okay. I don't have one, but if I did. You know, I, I I used to use that as an example. You know, people know how to dress. They do it when they go to a funeral, for instance. But then... After I'd been making that point for a while, I went to a funeral. Uh, a, a woman had died. She had one only son, and he was at the funeral in a Dale Earnhardt T-shirt. Wow. So I had to kind of give up my argument that people know how to dress even at a, a funeral. That's, true. that's not always certainly, true. There are lots of things to consider, and it is an area of judgment, but we do need to be considerate of it. What about, real quickly, Jacob, we're going to run out of time here. What about some of the songs we sing? Do you think we could show a lack of respect? Do you think... It, Boy, this this open up a whole can of worms. Here but are, are there any songs that we sing sometimes that are not appropriately respectful for the worship? Uh, I, let's, I think I know where you're going. I, I, there, there are some songs that are sung, and I think there's an increasing number of them, and they seem to be increasingly popular. I call them camp songs. They, they, they're sort of a rah-rah you know, kind of a song, uh, very upbeat with a lot of prominent parts in them. And I, I guess, I guess the thing I think I could say this without I don't think anybody could could uh, argue uh, when we sing. Our purpose in singing is to teach and admonish one another and to worship and honor and glorify God. So it's a dual purpose. It, it should not be for performance. It should not be for entertainment. And I, I, I'm concerned sometimes that some some of the songs we we sing maybe are more slanted that way it's about the singing it's about the song it's about uh you know the tempo the, the sound yeah, yeah yeah and and so you know if, if that's what's motivating then that needs to be rethought okay all right yeah uh, i i have to agree with greg as a, as someone who leads songs occasionally uh as well but you know i think and it's not just the the newer camp songs but even some of the older songs that Almost seems like they were written to be as elaborate and uh, complicated as possible. And, you know, first of all, it makes it difficult to be worshipful and thoughtful of what you're singing when you're having to be worried so much. vocal cords and ways Yeah, that or is it my turn to sing or yeah. am I singing the right part? And, um, you know, it's it's an area of judgment, obviously, I, I think, but... Um, you know, I think we do need to be careful about that we're being reverent. Everybody's going to have their own definition, but personally, uh, from my two cents, there are a lot of songs in our in songbooks that I just have a I have to concentrate very very hard uh, to feel reverent in singing yeah, these songs, yeah, yeah. especially at certain points of the service. Um, we, you know, song leaders, uh, you know, have a job to to be mindful of. Of the tone of depending on the the point in the service as well, but you know th- just something to think about. All right, uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says, paying attention to the Word of God being read or taught with enthusiasm and hunger, realizing who it is that is speaking His Word. 
How amazing it would be that at the reading of the Word of God, the whole congregation would stand up like they did in Nehemiah chapter 8. They showed that they had reverence for God. That is a good observation. Yeah, and he goes on to say there uh, uh, concerning other areas where we might fail to show reverence for God, he says our unwillingness to stand up for the Lord when others use his name irreverently would be a sign of not having reverence for God. True. Uh, well, and we missed his comment about dress. He says as long as the dress is modest and the person who wears it is concerned about how their dress may affect those who see it, that person's dress shows respect for the Lord. Other than that, I have not been able to find a dress code such as if you don't wear a tie on Sunday mornings, you are being disrespectful to God. No, I, 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 and we said that we, we're not trying to lay down a dress code per se, but we are saying that dress, your manner of dress does say something. And it's, it, it, that can't be denied. And it, it, if you were going to have an interview for a job and you needed a job desperately, you would dress appropriately for that job interview to show respect to the person interviewing you and with hopes of getting the job. You wouldn't just wear your your, your dirty jeans and a, and a raggedy T-shirt. You would do something different. Okay. And so if I wouldn't wear those kind of things to an important job interview, why would I wear those kind of things to come worship God? I think it's a question that has to be answered. It's a question to answer. Anthony? Well, I was just going to say I think the the comment, the listener there had commented about taking the Lord's name in vain. But something I had thought about tonight is, what you know, kind of going in a different angle here, but in our just in our day-to-day lives, I don't know. We've probably all encountered people who who kind of use use God or religious topics in in humor or in jokes and yeah. joking about. Yeah, be careful. What about that? Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what folks might think about. Yeah, that. that even the preacher might get carried away with telling jokes and so forth, and and that distract. From the solemnness of the assembly. Or the joke is based upon maybe joking about some scripture and maybe twisting the scripture a little bit. I don't think that right. shows reverence for God's or, word. Or, you know, yeah, or, you know, or God's going to, you know, yeah, I can't think of a good example, but I, I've known of folks who, who who are trying to be funny. I think they have good intentions, but, you know, it's something that maybe to think about is how we're, how we're talking about God. Are we at all times? Yeah, being reverent. There's a whole host of things that we could talk about: playing with the babies, running in and out to the bathroom uh, during the worship services. There's a whole host of things. It is important to reverence God. This whole discussion tonight, we're out of time, but the whole discussion tonight was generated by the fact that Joe Nelms, and we thank Joe a lot for being willing to talk with us. But we told him we disagree with his conclusions about approaching God in the way that he did. And so that has been the basis of our discussion tonight about showing proper reverence to God. We need to do it. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear, Anthony. I mean, he, he crossed the line. And I think those who are serious about uh, wanting to reverence God see that. Right. And I think he, you know, he was pretty plain in explaining his motivations and, and saying things like that. He, he didn't feel like he was actually talking to God, that it was more for the benefit of the people who were there and so forth. So it just doesn't. Uh, that sort of approach, as I read my New Testament, doesn't uh, doesn't jive with what I see there. Thank yeah. you, Anthony, for being here and for helping out with the program. Tonight. My pleasure. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Well, thanks, Jacob. This, I guess this is really the start of the, start seventh, of the year. seventh year of the virtual Bible study night. July 28th, six years ago, we were on the air for the first time. We start a new year, the seventh year uh, tonight. Lord willing, we'll keep it up. And we need, we, of course, means, we need listener participation. That means over 300 episodes. Yeah. So... Lots of topics, but still lots of topics to go. Exactly right. And we're looking forward to your suggestion on a topic that you'd like to hear discussed. 
If you see something in the news that you think would make a good discussion on a spiritual topic, if there is something you've been studying, uh, maybe studying with others, a question that you have, send it in, and you are compiling a list of those. We'll have another one of those uh, discussions where it's just rapid fire and sort of a shotgun effect. We'll have one of those soon. But uh, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like suggest to talk about, uh, give us a suggestion, send us an email. Look forward to hearing from you. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being here. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And we look forward to hearing from you and studying with you this time next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.